You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I hope wherever you are in the world and whatever you're doing, you're doing very well. You're about to listen to a conversation with an extraordinarily talented singer, songwriter, and guitarist. His name is Vincent Kavanagh, and he's in a band called Anathema. They had a tour of Australia in December of 2017 on the back of a remarkable album called The Optimist. We talk all about both, so let's cut to the chat with Vincent Kavanagh. Here we go. <laughs> all right, mate. Look, I'll kick things off. I think I'm the last one as well, mate, so I'll try to make it fun and interesting. Um, mate, all right. I- I'm hearing really great things on this album, and I am an old fan of Anathema, and your new album, of course, is The Optimist. So I think it's an album that contains the best elements found on the band's catalogue post-Alternative 4. But, mate, what's your take on the wonderful reception the band has received? I don't really think about it, to be honest with you. Um, I really kind of... My reaction to the music is based mostly on the fact that when it's finished two or three months before it comes out it belongs to me and uh, I listen to it every day during that time and uh, when it comes out um, then you start touring it and then you don't listen to it so much anymore really and uh, I I was really happy with it Um, I think it's good, I think it's different and I like it very much and I like the artwork and I like the sound effects and the story so I'm happy with it personally. I mean, obviously the reviews are good and everything, and that's that's great, you know. I'm not saying that. That's not a bad thing. That's cool. But I, I don't really... I don't. It doesn't really affect my view either way about the music, you know what I mean? My, my view... You know what I mean? My stuff is kind of... My opinions are... are my own, really. And um, what I do think is if I, if I think it's great and other people think it's great, then I agree with them. And if they think it's shit, I think they're... I basically said they're a bit stupid. That's <laughs> <laughs> terrible. Can't blame yeah. you, mate. Well, you, you guys have, you know, you guys have done plenty of time in, you know, the hard rock, heavy metal, and the rock and roll scene. You know, you're entitled to think what you want, and frankly, at this point, release whatever music you want. And I've got to compliment you on something. You were the one band from the heavy metal scene in the 90s that managed to transition into progressive music without copying a load of shit for doing it. Is that something that you feel... Uh, is that is that yeah. how you feel about it all? Yeah, to be honest with you, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with bands changing. The mistake they make is that they're often not writing great songs anymore. And, um, you know, so as long as you're writing good songs, it doesn't matter really how much you change. You've got to be honest, right? Write music that's honest. I mean, stuff you, you want to write and that you feel you want to write and don't really be swayed by what the public wants and write good songs that's all you got to do if you do those two things it's okay nobody can say anything to you mm. now agree people say oh you know you've changed from to metal and you know that's it. you know it, we changed 20 years ago so we're really yeah, it was years ago anybody who's still moaning about that yeah 20 years ago actually so look i mentioned at the opening of our chat that i, I am an old fan but i have followed you through the changes um, what sort of a show are you bringing out to Australia and can we expect some classic cuts from early on such as Sleepless? Oh, well, probably not that one, but we've been mixing up songs from like 1998, 2001, around these years. Yeah, from Judgment. So, the yeah. Alternative 4, yeah, the Alternative 4, really. 
Mm. Offensive four is nearly 20 years old. Founded to Exes is 16 years old. So they're still quite old songs in many ways. You know, but we won't be doing any growling if that's your question. <laughs> yeah. Hey, just on Sleepless, I, I recently had a, a chat. Why does anybody want to growl when you've got me Douglas in the band? Sorry, what was that? I missed it. Why would anybody want to do growl vocals when you have Lee Douglas in the band? Oh, no, I agree with you, totally. No, no, especially with the, the talent that you've got for the music that you're playing at the moment, it'd be like going backwards, you know, really, wouldn't it be? There are plenty of other bands doing the growling thing anyway. It's good. Yeah, it's good if you're doing like a, like when we did the Resonance tour, we did like a retrospective with uh, the original members. And that was good, but that was a different thing. That was about the people on the stage, you know? Yeah, no, sweet. Yeah, no, I get it. Just coming, coming back for some... For some camaraderie and just to reconnect as people, I suppose that's what that would be about. Yeah, exactly, exactly that. And um, you know, it's like when um, old schoolmates get together for like a you know a, a study day or something, but we have music and that's our celebration. Yeah, yeah, and look, and just on that, you know, um, actually, I'll let. Me, I've got two questions I want to ask before I get to the question I was about to ask. I just need to ask. I mentioned Sleepless earlier, and. Look, I had a chat to, you might be mates with him actually, but Stuart Anstis, who was the guitarist in Cradle of Filth uh, from the mid-90s to the late-90s recently, and I mentioned that I really enjoyed his version or Cradle's version of the song Sleepless. What did you think of the version that they did? I know it's going back almost 20 years ago now, but I love both versions a lot. Uh, to be perfectly honest with you, I don't, I don't, I think the keyboard's let it down. Um, it didn't, it wasn't haunting. I would have thought that they did. I mean, I think they did a lot of good stuff with the groove and with the guitars, the vocals. But I thought it would have been a more haunting version than it was. I think the keyboards changed it. Yeah, sweet. And, my opinion. and did you hit Les up when he was in Anathema about his, his playing and his version? Because he was actually the keyboard on the keyboard player in that version, wasn't he? No, I don't. Th- I don't think we mentioned it. <laughs> you know, back left leg side. <laughs> Fair enough. And um, so, mate, when you you guys have been going, I mean, along... I've got huge, I've got huge respect, I've got huge respect and fondness for those. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, yeah. No, fair enough. And mate, when you look back over your career, so you guys have a recording career that stretches back to 1992. So that's about 25 odd years um, from the Pentecost three EP. Oh, no, from Crestfallen EP 1992 and the Pentecost three EP in 1995. I still think they're great releases. But, mate, did you still think you'd be here creating music and the wonderful music that you're creating in 2017? I suppose I knew I was in it for life. I didn't know what which direction the music would change. I didn't, you know, I, I wasn't um, able to predict that. But I suppose I was listening to a lot of Pink Floyd by them early to mid-90s, so it was the writing was on the wall. And Duncan Patterson also listened to music a lot with his different approach to songwriting so um, but I, I wouldn't have known I just, then what it was going to be I, but I did know I was in it for life Yeah and I need to ask then what's been the biggest challenge that you've faced during your time as a career musician? Well challenges you would face in life anyway really I suppose my biggest challenge has been the mental health stuff I would have got that if I was in a completely different career anyway um, at least with this music and this um, career, I'm able to explore those feelings of um, 
you know, whatever they might be, isolation or, or whatever it is, and I'm able to channel them into music and, and do it with my mates. So, um, yeah, great response. I mean, yeah. the upside is good. Yeah, it's, it's been, you know, I mean, to work with the, the guys, I suppose, is my biggest therapy and to be around people. And, um, but yeah, I suppose my biggest challenge is being mental health stuff. You might, look, I, I suffer and from. Staying well back. Well, look, I, I'll, I'll let you know, I suffer from fairly acute anxiety to the point where I can barely do any public speaking, which might sound pretty bizarre if I'm hosting a, a podcast series, but I'm pretty open about it these days. And up until six months ago, I had a fairly successful career in a large telecommunications corporation, and I more or less had to get out of that because most of my role description was talking in front of people and presenting, and if you can't do that, when well, you can't do the bloody job. But do you mind if I ask, mate, um, just some of the detail on, on what your challenges are? No, I don't mind. It's, I've had an anxiety disorder and post-traumatic stress disorder for many years. But it, I've had successful therapy as well, so it hasn't all been bad. I've just had a rough few years recently, is all. You know what I mean? But I've also had some good years in the past from pretty effective therapy, you know? And, um, yeah, anxiety, kind of PTSD to, um, and, and family tragedy. You know, um, kind of just really, they just really leave a mark. I also experimented with drugs in the nineties, and you know, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that again. Yeah, no, no, I can appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's. If uh... I had one piece of advice, if I had a piece of advice for myself on something I could control growing up, if I could go back, I tell myself to probably stay away from mushrooms and LSD and pot. Yeah, it's very good advice, that one there. Yeah, I know, look, I've experimented a little bit myself and, um, look, I think I could handle it, but I don't ever want to push it too hard to the point where, where there's the point of no return, so to speak. But um, Yeah, well, I didn't do a Sid Barrett, but um, it was pretty bad, you know what I mean? And I know that's left a mark. But, you know, it was a long time ago now. Mm, yeah, gotcha. And you guys, I, I had a chat to... Um, Greg from Paradise Lost and famously, mate, they're a, a big drinking band. What about you guys? Is, is is there a lot of that sort of um, drinking to cope with the touring thing that goes on? It used to, much more than it does now. I mean, I haven't drunk personally for 12 years. Well, congratulations. Yeah, I know the rest yeah. of the band enjoy drink. Yeah, the rest of the band enjoy drink, but it's not, it's not like it used to be, you know. It used to be, it used to be a lot more than it is now. Yeah, fair enough. And maybe you don't mind me asking. Are you uh, are you married and got kids? I do have a child, Ariel. I like the song that we did. Yes. And uh, I've got great relations. I've got great relations with her mum, but uh, I'm still single. Yeah, fair enough. I think that's um, look. I've got two daughters. I'm married, but. Geez, I lead a fairly busy and full life, and that can sort of bring out the anxiety as well. When you, it's not not like an anxiety that you can't do it or anything like that, but just having such a full life because you're a parent and you've got professional uh, commitments and, and other things, creative pursuits like what I'm, what I'm doing here. So I'd imagine it's probably something similar for yourself. Yeah, it is. It's, um, I mean, nothing really prepares you for being a parent, you know what I mean? Agreed. I, I often say that it's a bit like having your heart... Um, being taken outside, taken and put it outside of your body. You know what I mean? And this little person is uh, more important than you are. And it, it, it does change things. I suppose um, 
being perfectly honest, I, I've struggled to to cope with the. Uh, I mean, I love my daughter more than anything in the world. That's clear. And thankfully, me and her mum have got great friendship. But uh, it, yeah, it, it hasn't been without its challenges. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I can appreciate that. Yeah, look, it's um. Kids can shit me to tears, to be honest with you, at times with all the yelling and screaming that goes on. But when you're away from them for a day or overnight somewhere, I do a lot of traveling. Um, I always look forward to seeing them, obviously. I know it's a cliche, but it is what it is. But you, you do. You're spot on. They are a piece of your heart that exists outside of your body, aren't they? Yeah, it really is. It's, um, it's great, you know what I mean? I mean, they're fantastic. And, you know, I, I, I love Ariel more than anything in the world. She's amazing, you know. She warms my heart. Loving her is like breathing. It's just so natural. Yeah, beautiful, mate. Yeah. And I, 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 I have the opinion that if you, if you really, really, if you really love your kids and you really show, tell them that you love them, that generally things will probably be okay. I think people get into trouble when they, they don't show enough love to the children. I, I would say that's more of an issue than, you know, not giving great career advice, for example. Yes. Yeah, no, mate, you said a lot of very wise things. Yeah, look, I, I didn't have an easy time growing up either. And um, yeah, I mean, I had food on the table and all of that sort of stuff, but there were a lot of things that were missing. And I, I found that I sort of was able to resolve a lot of that within myself before I left my teenage years. Thank God I was able to do that. But a lot of people don't do they and they don't feel loved by their parents. And it leaves an enormous emotional void in their lives. And it can mean that they chase they chase things that aren't really there or they chase things that aren't really that good for them. Absolutely, it does. Um, hopefully that won't happen with Ariel because, you know, she's lived beyond. I mean, I've written songs about her and she's appeared on my solo album laughing, you know. And So, I mean, you know, when she's older, you know, I've left a load of voicemails of when she was tiny that she'll be, she'll be able to listen to when she's older. So <laughs> Is she musical at all, like you? I, don't, I think it's too early to tell. You know, she can sing in tune, but she's only four. You know what I mean? Yeah, same with my daughter. Yeah, my daughter's the same age, yeah. Yeah, it's too early to tell. You know, maybe. She certainly looks like she looks like she could be a member of the band when she's older. She's got the whole hair and everything going on. <laughs> yeah, I think I've got those you know, fathers. She, like, uh, she definitely looks like a member of a man. <laughs> Yeah, I think I've um, I've got those fatherly aspirations. You know how like parents have these aspirations for their kids that, that they're going to become a doctor or a corporate banker or something else like that? My aspiration for my eldest daughter, who I think is quite musical, is to become a percussionist, a drummer. I'm a bass player and guitarist, but I really think for her, she loves banging things and carrying on with things, and I'd love for her to get into that, so much so that I've selected a school for her to go to next year because she's got a first year of school next year that has a percussion room with an electronic drum kit in it, and they offer drum lessons to the kids. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, you know, I've just decided to go down that that's path. Nice. I, I have no idea. I don't know which area of interest Ariel will take, you know, but um, as long as she's into alternative rock, she's probably going to be okay. <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> Mate, so the future looks bright for the band and, and for you personally. So where do you see yourself and the band in 10 years' time? No idea. Absolutely no idea. I might go under the bus tomorrow. Um, I mean, you worry about the future just in terms of, like, will I be financially okay? You know what I mean? I suppose that's my only real concern. Everything else, I would imagine that other things will fall into place, but that's, um, 
mean, the future scares me, to be honest with you. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Yeah, well, yeah, it so, can certainly bring I, on anxiety. I don't That's... really like thinking about it. I don't like thinking about it that much, you know what I mean? I wish I could just believe everything's going to be okay. Maybe it will be. I just don't know. I, I'm not, I don't think the world's necessarily going downhill, you know what I mean? It's like, it's all, I mean, it's right now, and this is a good point to end on, you can print this, right now, all over the world, little acts of love are happening everywhere. You know, acts of kindness and compassion are happening all over the world as we speak. There's less people in poverty than ever before. There's less people starving than ever before. Less people dying in wars than ever before. You know what I mean? Agreed. Yeah, I know. And uh, I'm things, not recognising it. All yeah. things pass away. All things pass away. So I'm not. I'm not. I'm not necessarily pessimistic about it at all. Yeah. Well, as long as you're creating music, mate, you're going to be making a lot of people happy because there are a lot of people that are happy in Australia about the music you make, and I'm one of them. So thank you so much for doing what you've been doing for so long. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that was my conversation with the brilliant Vincent Kavner. Thank you so much for listening.